Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Please be seated. Three times. <laughs> Just this once. Just this once. <laughs> there you will see him just as he told you. A dead man has come back to life. A corpse is breathing again and blinking and getting up and looking about and walking away. Or so we imagine. With today's medical miracles, such things happen all the time, we're told. But there are limits even to science. If you have no heartbeat, no pulse for more than a few minutes, there will be nothing to revive when they begin CPR. Life over cannot be reversed. There is no going back. There is no going forward. There was nowhere to go. And minus the extraordinary means of these modern technologies, dead people stay dead. The ancients knew this as well. Dead people stayed dead back then, as N.T. Wright is always reminding the skeptics in his audiences. So the reaction of the women to the empty tomb is one thing. If it registers the absence of a body, that is another thing. But if that absence has become presence, if that body has stood up and stepped out of the tomb all on his own, and wherever he's gone, he's coming back on his own, that's another thing altogether. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone. For they were afraid. The shorter ending of Mark ends there. Many reasons to suppose he meant it to go on. But we stick with this ending. Now the emotional tone of this morning is joy. The emotional state of these women, however, is something else. They are the only witnesses to an event that had transpired some one time in the dark of the night. And their reaction is key to where we stay today. It's easy to get it wrong, may I say. Now, I'm not just trying to put the brakes on the joy of Easter Day in the Church of Perpetual Lent. We can preach the cross every day here, and we're always looking for the sackcloth and ashes, some of us. However, my support is in the text, which slams the brakes on at the crucial moment where we come crashing forward, ready to run into joy, and says, wait a minute. What is going on in the hearts of these women? Because this matters. They are the witnesses to what has happened at a time when, as we know, the witness of women meant nothing. The whole weight of the biblical gospel narrative rests on the account that these women give. What state were they in that colored what they brought back? We want to react to this real absence with the promise of the presence that is to come. We want this for to be a happy time, a celebration. We want this to be the transfiguration, if the, all were told, in which Jesus just seems to get bigger and better and very much more and more present. There, you recall, Jesus doesn't go anywhere. He grows everywhere. He becomes more and more of what he is. And the ascension, we want it to be this. That's coming. We must be patient. The ascension finds Jesus finally going, he lets us settle for a shore of power as he rockets skyward. In one, he stays and glory comes to him. In the other, he goes to glory. 
with the promise to come back and take us with him. In both, the disciples take it in their stride. There there is peace. There there is joy. There's a brief shadow in Luke as they feel fear, as the luminous cloud envelops the Mount of Transfiguration, but it's short-lived. The Father's voice breaks through, the mist and clouds breaks gently. This is my Son, my well-beloved, my chosen one. Listen to him. At the ascension, they will part on good terms. Jesus simply seems to fade from view. Back on earth, life goes on with renewed purpose. Now that's what we want. But what we've got today is the resurrection. And the resurrection is what we will take. No hint of glory here in that first hour of dawn. Nothing about going to heaven when he dies, let alone when we die, or of eternal life. Nothing of that right now. There is simply the brute fact that life goes on for Jesus. And that, wherever he's going, wherever he's gone, he's coming back. Two things. Life goes on for Jesus. Jesus is coming back. Everything from now to the end of the scriptures is a kind of variation on these two themes. Coming back right here. As if it all never happened. As if it were a vision or a dream. For trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they were afraid. They're told to tell the world, but they don't want to tell a soul. Now again, if we can't enter with them here, there's no point in going further. But sometimes we do. How do we make sure, then, that we track them? What can we find in the text? Not joy, not relief, not vindication. What's here is even more intense. Ecstasis, ecstasy, we heard. We were given astonishment, pretty good. The Greek is ecstasis, and that's a pretty loaded word. We think of, excuse me, of ecstasy as joy, short-lived for those for whom it is a substance and not just an experience. The word just means, however, outside oneself, beside oneself, standing apart and next to one, out of the place where one finds oneself standing, an out-of-body experience, if you like, out of the state of being in which you don't believe that what you are seeing and experiencing has any basis in the reality in which you seem to be very much rooted. You have to pinch yourself Look three times to know that seeing is believing. Ecstasis. For this experience, Rudolf Otto has one word. Well, one book. A long one, but the title is short. The Holy, das Heilige. Otto means not the holiness that comes with moral perfection, an unstinting effort to transcend by pulling self oneself up by one's own bootstraps. There's precious little ecstasy in that, as we all know. Otto is talking about something numinous, experience, but not of the sensory sort, feeling. But the feeling is not found deep within, but rather has its source wholly outside one. Holy other, gans andera, incomparable, unique, sui generis, unlike anything that anyone has ever known. Not exalted, if anything, abashed, uncanny. C.S. Lewis writes in The Problem of Pain that this feeling, this ecstasy that this women feel, the core of all 
spiritual experience is the difference between knowing there's a tiger in the next room and knowing there's a ghost in the next room. There's fear in both. But with the tiger, you know the worst that could happen. With the ghost, it is anybody's guess, unknown, fear of a different kind, awe, even an attraction amid the dread. We know how the story ends, and that's great. That's why we're here. But for this one moment, we don't even want to look at the Holy Spirit coming and making it clear. We want to be in this incredible moment, because this is where we meet God. Otto calls this a mystery, mysterium, mysterium tremendum et fascinans. It excites and attracts as it repels, it pushes and it pulls. Don't be alarmed, says the man in the white robe. And of course, you say that and right away they're afraid. You will see him again. He's back, maybe he never left. That's the message of Easter. A man died, and a man came back to life. We, too, shall die, but we trust in a different sense that we, too, having run past our expiry date, decomposed, been composted, will reconstitute, refresh, reset, and set back on our feet, and set our feet right back on terra firma, like the disciples, carry on. Jesus is alive. Jesus is coming back right here. Not to where Jesus is going in the short term. They'll have a few days to go back and carry on and live with Jesus right here, just as before. And living, see if they are living any different as a result of their brush with death and his with the life that comes after death. And we will see as we join them in this long obedience in the same direction, living life as he lived it and wanted us to live it, we will see what having life, then losing it, then getting it back, what that can do for us who haven't lost it yet. We probably won't die on a cross, brothers and sisters, but we will learn to find those places where death has us on the run and learn to stand our ground. And we will learn to see this earth, our home, the place we live with kingdom eyes. We will learn to value life as Jesus did. And we may learn to give our lives, our life for life, the life of others, just as he did, each in our own way. Give our lives so others may live, give more and more of what we have been given as we see the source of that gift and the place of the need to which we will take it. We will see life, all living things, as holy, and we will see Jesus, too, as holy, a mystery, tremendum et fascinans, who causes us to tremble with astonishment, with ecstasy, to live more and more out of our lives, and from a strength, too, that is outside of him of us, that is not our own, to live a life that is not our own as we see more and more that we are not our own. We never were. We were bought at a price, a price that father and son were pleased to pay. Today, it is enough to say he lives. But as we journey together in this Paschal season, Let us come to see more and more, not just the joy that is before us in heaven, 
but the ecstasy that we will have to share as Jesus and we remake this world in heaven's image. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Please stand.